everybody. Welcome back to the A Lot of Things podcast. I'm sorry I was gone for a couple weeks and I was doing many things, including writing up comedy sketches and mainly writing up comedy sketches and also looking at a new project that I might be working on, which I can't talk about quite yet. But I miss doing this podcast because it's just, you know, so chill. It's just us, you know, you, me, this microphone, which is badass, by the way. The Shure MV7, not a sponsor, could be someday. Very chill. I love this microphone. And, you know, I just want to talk about some stuff that I don't get to talk about on other shows or sketches or podcasts. Uh, mainly doing video games now on this podcast. Originally, we started with, oh, you guessed it, a lot of things. Because this is the brand. The brand is me, and I am into a lot of things. But the YouTube channel is pretty much video games and comedy. And that is kind of what I've been doing for the last 10, 12 years, is videos, video games, and comedy. So let's talk about one of those, or two of those, right now, on this podcast that is of the A Lot of Things brand. With no edits and no cuts. It's just straight at it. Let's go. I don't even know what I'm going to say right now. I have no idea what I'm going to say. I don't even know what this podcast is about. Well, I actually do know what this episode's about. On the last episode of So Video Games Podcast, I was quite frustrated at a bunch of video games. And I said, as you'll see in the title of that episode, uh, that I'm over video games. But I'm not officially. But I'll tell you why I really want to be. It's because I have been playing video games since they were invented, which is so weird to think. But it's true. I mean, I wasn't around for Space War. And I was kind of around for Pong. I mean, I did play it. But it was in the garage sales. And it wasn't like at a heyday. I'm not that old. But I did play Atari. You know, we're talking ColecoVision. I had computers. I played computer games that were just some of them terrible. Terrible. And I watched it evolve. Um... Asterisks next to computer games, I remember being really fascinated with text adventures. To this day, still love interactive fiction, which is making a soaring comeback. And I was actually really lucky to be able to work um, on the social media and video production team for Lifeline, which is a fabulous mobile interactive text game. Check that out. And in the olden days, I played, you know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, text adventure, all the Infocom stuff. I made my own text adventures when it was pretty much not easy to do that. And, you know, that fascinated me about like, oh, it's not just about the graphics on screen and moving little pixel guide to left and right and doing different things. It's engaging your brain. It's it's creating a world bigger than... Um, you know, what you can represent on the computer at the time, which was limited. So what you did is you created these text adventures and it just said anything can happen. And when anything can happen, your imagination goes wild and it's pretty cool. And you're like, wow, this is what games can be. But what it really is, is this is what interactive media can be. And later on, flash forward to MUDs, 
you can go ahead and Google MUDs, but basically massive MMOs, right? You think of MMOs today, massively multiplayer games. They're text adventures that were online, and it was this idea that you could build these worlds with this kind of text adventure and RPG elements. And there's a lot more to be said about that. Um, but just that general idea of things that could happen within text adventures, they started to build really interesting rules that were almost like AI or different physics or procedurally generated stuff. Stuff just felt like open-ended and crazy. Flash forward to AI Dungeon, which if you've not tried that, you must try AI Dungeon. It is AI and artificial intelligence using uh, text adventures to allow you to truly you know, do most things you can think of by typing what you want uh, in the story that they tell you. And then the story will adjust and the AI will adjust as best as it can to what you just said. An example is there was a dragon uh, and the text adventure was saying, there's a dragon in the distance and you see the dragon. And then someone typed, I pet the dragon. Well, that could have meant a lot of different things. The AI decided that that meant the dragon was small, like a pet. And so it said the dragon flies down. You notice it's like the size of a dog and you pet the dragon. So the AI did that. That is a whole new experience that that person had with the game slash engine. And I felt glimpses of that when I was a young person. I felt glimpses of AI with this game called Little Computer People, where you could essentially watch a little character on screen in a house, think The Sims, but you didn't really control too much of them. You just could control like how much food they had, you could play games with them, and just basically watch them walk around. And that gave me so much idea of like what a game can be, what an artificial intelligence could be. So that mixed with text adventures and a bunch of other stuff, I started getting really excited. Um, Zelda got me even more excited about the idea of RPGs, uh, the D&D type stuff that I played on computer, uh, like Pools of Radiance and all the kind of gold box edition stuff got me excited. Ultima was pretty much um, one of the main games that made me think about what a world could be early on, before Grand Theft Auto. And you've known me if uh, I've talked about this a lot on different shows, but uh, you know Richard Garriott, who created Ultima Ultima Seven, was kind of a, a really huge moment where it showed so many different things that can happen in a world that is not just an RPG, but it's a game world, and you can pick up objects, and you can put the objects in your backpack, and you can do things that you know influence the town and the people that get mad at you or they don't get mad at you. You can steal things. Um, you could do that in the early Ultimas as well, but I feel like it was really realized in Ultima 7. And these are all, again, early, 90s, before 90s, uh, late 90s, and now we're in 2021. And yes, in some of the modern games, I see like procedural generation. So, okay, this world that you're going to be in or this biome will be slightly different than the other one roguelikes, oh, this this map is a little bit different, different monsters, etc. But that feels like puzzle pieces. That feels like, I don't know, just putting things together and seeing how they come out, but not really changing the flow of gameplay that much. Or the way that I think of the world that I'm in, 
you know, if, if someone else plays another game and the maze is quite different, it's still not going to change how I think about the game or what I could do in that game. Another good example is Divinity Original Sin. I think they did a really good job of, you know, carrying on the legacy of Ultima 7 and making this world that felt like you could do a lot of different things that had a lot of different choices. And then, of course, you can sidestep over to the Skyrims of the world and the fallouts and seeing worlds that essentially do create a bunch of systems where things can happen. And as they say, emergent gameplay can take place. And I think that Skyrim does it well. Um, some fallouts do it well. And, and I think that it's pretty close. But why a long-winded answer of why I'm kind of over video games is because it still seems like developers go back to the well, they look at a genre, and they think of how they can do it differently or better, but they don't look how they can rewrite it. Now, that not being said, like there's tons of indie games that are rewriting everything. So there's a lot of stuff out there. But I would like to see something, obviously, AA, AAA, where you're spending, you know, teams of people, the most sophisticated AI, think Grand Theft Auto, Rockstar, et cetera. And I'm hoping that the new Grand Theft Auto is going to have what they said, which is AI will be on the cloud, which will allow for a lot more emergent gameplay. I have a feeling they'll probably stick to their drug dealer story though and it'll be on the fringe or on the outside out of the actual main campaign where you'll be able to have some of these really cool experiences but i just want them in the game to change the world based on what i do and what you do and until that happens it is frustrating to go back into let's just say horizon zero dawn 2 i love that game I love the first game. It's beautiful. It's fun. I had a lot of fun. I played the whole the DLC. But when I go into two, I mean, they're literally calling it two, right? It's going to be the same game. Is that good because the first one was so good? Yeah, maybe. But does it make me want to jump into games, especially having known what you just known, which is not English, that I've been playing these, in quotes, games for so long, that I just want to evolve me as a person. I want to evolve me in a game experience. And VR does that in some ways. I have the Oculus Quest 2. I can jump in there and feel like I am in a totally different world, even if the game is quite simple. But I don't want to always... Right now, the technology is not where we need it to be, where it's just like contact lenses or something or glasses. So it's a little cumbersome still. Say what you will, VR is awesome, but you're still putting something on your head and it feels weird. Even if it feels great, it still feels weird. So I just, yeah, I'm just frustrated because I know what's coming around the pike when it comes to new game, whatever, X. And I guess I'm most excited about lots of times the indie scene because there are things where I don't know what's coming next. And I'm like, what the hell? You're doing it that way? That's cool. Uh, but as you know, or you might not know, but I just love the idea of playing in an open world that allows things to happen. And I think, well, let me finish that thought. Allows things to happen that you don't know what's going to happen, but is also because of the things that you did. Like say you meet a vendor and you knock over their cart, but then they have to go home and like they got to go like, I don't know, 
buy a new card or something. And then that somehow can affect you because it's like butterfly effect and we're all connected and maybe crime goes up because of some, you know, they're not getting their hot dogs. I don't know. That's a poor one. That is not a connection. But, you know, just that kind of like ebb and flow of real world and uh, NPCs. And fucking hell, please make a game where NPCs do more than just say, hey, what's up? Because that's not... Talk about taking you out of the experience. So many games you just hit a button and they just say like the pre-canned thing and that's it. And there's... It's just not how it works, you know? Or the opposite is they have a huge dialogue tree thing that's already planned out. So I kind of want like AI Dungeons text within a game with a 3D world and then those objects and physics react to the things you're doing. And what I was going to say is maybe that is just the future and I'm just talking about the future and it's not here yet. And every game doesn't have to be fully immersive or whatever, emergent. But I just think if you have more of that, even within a game, even like a Call of Duty or something, you change the way that we experience those experiences. That's my rant. Look at that, almost 15 minutes. Uh, welcome back to a lot of things. This is where I do the show, and I'll do it every week. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, life. Every time I go for like two weeks and I don't do a show, I say the same thing. But it's true. So uh, take care of yourself. Be safe, all those kind of things. Play video games. Make video games. And if you're out there and you're an indie game developer, you know, make some really cool emerging gameplay with AI and then send me the link and I'll play the shit out of that. See you next time.